Greetings, this is Pastor Stan Harvey of the Pentecostals of Sydney. Thank you for joining us on our podcast. It is our hope that this message, whether it be a Sunday service or a midweek lesson, would be a blessing and a help to you in your spiritual journey. Stay connected with us on our website, posydney.com, or on our numerous social media platforms. Now to the service. the impact they had in Fiji. Praise God. Well, this is the first PO, uh, 1115 service for the year. Uh, and so I believe I have been given from the Lord an appropriate word to k- kick off the year. Uh, so I wonder if you would join me in uh, standing for the ministry of God's word as we turn to the book of Revelation. Book of Revelation chapter 2, reading from verse 2 through to verse 5. Revelation 2, 2 through to verse 5, speaking to the church of Ephesus, very confronting words, difficult words to hear, no doubt, but the Word of God is alive today, and if these words were relevant back then, they are relevant today, and I um, would like to read this portion of text to you right now. The Bible says, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne and has patience, and for my name's sake have labored, everyone say labored, and hast not fainted. Verse four, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee Because thou hast left thy first love. Remember therefore, everyone say, remember therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent. Do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. Such confronting words spoken to a busy body of believers. He wasn't speaking to non-believers. He wasn't speaking to people that were not participating in the things of God. He was speaking to the church of Ephesus. And so with the help of God, this this morning I want to speak on this thought, and I believe there is a title uh, page. Remember, therefore. Remember, therefore. Everyone, let's put our Bibles down. We're going to pray for the ministry of God's Word. I wonder if you'd join with me as we pray. This is not a presentation. This is a living body of believers. And so as I pray, I wonder if you would pray with me that faith would rise in the house, that God would have His perfect will done today. Let us pray. Father, we are grateful that we can be found in Your presence here today, Jesus. I pray right now that Your Word would touch good ground Every heart in this place would be ready to receive your word, not to be heard and to be forgotten, but to be heard and to be applied, that our changing might glorify you, Lord God. We pray your anointing to be in this place. We pray for miracle signs and wonders. We pray for transformation to take place in the lives of your apostolic people here today. I pray that your will would be done, that you may be glorified in your house. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Let's clap our hands unto the Lord if we love Him. If we love Him, praise God. 
Praise God. Remember, therefore, please be seated. Remember, therefore. Amen. It makes logical sense. And it is perfectly reasonable to assume that time and experience makes us better at things. Any discipline, whether it be in education, your maths or chemistry or physics or English, our understanding and knowledge base, it should increase or get better with time. When we learn to drive a manual vehicle, we progress from stalling when we try to the bunny hop stage where the car is constantly starting and stopping to improving in our movement through the gears to it becoming proficient and second nature for us to drive. I was recently in the kingdom of Tonga and the person that was usually there to pick me up for church asked me to drive the truck to service. And so we had this uh, massive truck. Now, if you've been to Tonga, you know you've already got to navigate about 4,000 potholes in the roads over there. So that was enough. But I also had uh, a, a manual truck. So it wasn't a small car. It was a manual truck. And also, first gear did not work. So you had to start from second gear. So I was up against it, <laughs> and uh, it had been a good 10 years since I had driven a, a manual vehicle, and so I said a quick prayer as I got into that truck, and I was hoping that there would be a preacher that day if I didn't make it to service, but praise God, it was like I hadn't put it down because I had spent those years learning how to drive. Same is true of riding a bike, playing a sport, learning a language, time and exposure generally improve our ability to do something well. Some things once learnt are never forgotten. And it's a well-grounded principle that with time and with practice, we should, in theory, get better at things. Amen. But are there exceptions to this rule here today? Are there things that from time to time we do not get better at? And matter of fact, we go backwards in. Uh, there was a period last year where myself and, and, and my wife, we had quite a stressful situation going on at home. And so stressful it was that it actually began to affect my sleep. I, it, not since I was at university had stress begun to impact my sleep. And I remember lying in bed, not able to fall asleep. And so I decided just to go upstairs and to check on my children to find them all absolutely fast asleep. And I looked at them and I thought to myself, how can they, at the age of nine, nine and six, be better at doing something than me at the age of 35? I was 35 back then. So don't catch me out. I'm not trying to deduct a year. Or even myself, I recall when I was young, my, my nana, she would just put me in the car and she would say that after one lap around the block, I would always be asleep. It was something that was so natural. But 30 years down the road, it was something that I just could not do. I'm like, why can't I fall asleep? How have I gotten worse at something despite the years that have gone by? Another thing that we can easily lose with time, which is of far greater consequence, is our connection with the first love in Christ Jesus. The authentic, 
the wholesome, the life-changing, the transformational first encounter that we had with Christ. Can someone say amen? The no strings attached, the no familiarity with the church or departments or titles, the no conditions attached, the type of worship where offenses and stinky attitudes that we pick up could not impact them. And it was just for the first love encounter with Jesus Christ that we had. How is it possible for us to lose that thing with time? How is it impossible? How is it possible for us to have a more authentic encounter on day one in the house of God than we can have 10 or 15 or 20 years down the road? How is it possible for us to go backwards when it comes to connecting with the first love experience with Jesus Christ? In our text, Jesus is addressing the Ephesian church, a church that is well known for its works, for its fruitfulness. He starts by affirming the positive things that the church was doing. He says, I have taken note of the good things that you've done. He said, I see the perseverance that you've demonstrated. He says, I have not forgotten the hardships which you have passed through and endured for my name's sake. He says the positive stuff first, but then he says that one word which would be so intimidating if we were to hear them come from the mouth of our Lord. He says, nevertheless, how deflating must that have been after they had heard the compliments come from his mouth. Nevertheless, after all of the blood, sweat, and tears that they had gone through for the kingdom's sake. Nevertheless, after all the toiling that they had done for him, after, after all the work that they have done, nevertheless, Jesus said, I have this against you that you have left your first love. Now, this statement does not suggest that they no longer had any love for Christ. Rather, it's implying that the quality, everyone say quality, the quality of their love had weakened. The phrase first love, it holds two meanings. He's saying that you don't love me as you first loved me, suggesting that something had been lost over time. But he's also saying, I'm no longer your first love. And I can only imagine being told by Jesus that your priorities are all wrong when you are active and involved in the kingdom of God would have been very hard for them to hear. After all, what possible issue could Jesus have against those that demonstrated faithful labor? Are we not called to serve God? Are we not called to be faithful? And praise God, I'm not here today to speak against our involvement. Absolutely not. We ought to contribute to the body of Christ, to the kingdom of God, to the house of God. I'm simply saying that what we do is not as important or should not be confused with why we do it or to whom we do it for. The ultimate measure of our faithfulness in the things of God is not what we have done, it's not even how well we can do it, but it is why we have done it and to whom we did it to please, praise God. 
because I've got news for you here today. My God could care less how talented you are here this first Sunday of 2024. He is more concerned with this question. Do you love him like you first loved him? He could care less about what you can do with an instrument in your hands or with your vocal cords. He wants to know, do you love me as you first loved me? Praise God. He could care less how well you can construct a sermon or preach a word. He wants to know, do you love me as you first loved me? Amen. Do you remember those days? And the Lord has convicted me in this area. 2023 was a year where this is how the Lord convicted me on this very topic. Do you remember those days where nothing was too much? Where you would happily circumnavigate the city just to pick up a single person to come to the house of God. Happy to do any task, get on your hands and knees and clean the floor. Nothing was too small for you to do. Happy to buy somebody's lunch and take somebody out just for the opportunity to witness the Lord to them. Praise God. Why? Because everything you do when you can resonate with your first love is done unto God. When you can resonate with the first love experience, you do things not for self but you do things for God you don't do things out of comfort you do things because it's all about him but when the first love is lost when the first love is lost all of a sudden it becomes about me how it will look to man my place in the body of Christ my place in the presence of man. When we lose the first love, there is a gradual shift in the motivation behind why we serve. We are all called to serve and be faithful. Yes, we are. But let me tell you something. We can be faithful, but faithful for the wrong reasons. We can be faithful, but faithful to get the attention from the wrong person. We can be faithful, but faithful to benefit self. But we must remember the first love because it keeps our motivations in check. We must protect the first love. We must resonate with the first love. And we must remember the first love. Because anytime we lose touch with the first love, it becomes replaced with man-made experiences. And anytime our walk with God is built on man-made elements, it's only a matter of time until it will fall. Make no mistake, Church of the Living God, this first Sunday of 2024, we need to make sure the main thing remains the main thing. Thing, that though I love to fellowship, that though I appreciate great preaching and I love great music, I'm not saved by those things. I'm saved by a man called Jesus who died on a cross for me that I might have life and I might have life more abundantly. That's why I'm here, praise God. I love you, I'm grateful for you, I'm thankful to call you a friend, but I come through those doors on a Sunday morning because I'm connecting myself to a Savior who first loves me and he first loves you. Can you give the Lord a hand clap of praise in this place? That is why I'm here and that is why I worship. If the PA didn't turn on one Sunday, can you still worship the Lord just the same? 
if we did not have a deeply anointed and gifted pastor preaching the word of God, would you still receive the word? Would you still allow it to touch your life and to transform you? Praise God. I'm here because I refuse to let the first love experience with God die in me. I remember my first weeks and months in the house of God up in Brisbane, feeling the presence of God so deep and so powerful. I couldn't quote you a scripture. I couldn't even turn to Acts 2. I didn't know where it was. But I felt the presence of God. I was drawn to the altars. I couldn't even wait for Pastor Hall to close his final remarks before I would come to the altar. But five or 10 or 15 years later, I know a lot more scripture. I know a lot more Bible. I know how church works. I know when to clap. I know when to lift my hands. I know when to dance. But you know what? Sometimes I don't come down to the altar. Can I tell you, we must resonate with the first love experience, that first encounter with with Jesus Christ. Praise God, you might be a theologian. Praise God, you might be a preacher, but never forget the first love, the first love that drew you to the altar for the very first time. We must resonate with the first love experience. They're not my words, they're the words of Jesus Christ, that we must resonate with Him. I believe this is one of the greatest threats to our salvation. It's one of the greatest threats to our longevity, being involved in the things of God, but removed from the presence of God, that what began out of a pure heart gets distorted over time, becomes less about Him and more about me, where it becomes, how does it sound? How does it look? What do people think about it? Not does what I'm doing please God. Come on, we've all been there. Your service in the things of God. How does it sound to man? How does it look to man? How does it make me look? Not is my service pleasing in the sight of God. We've got to be careful, church, that we don't fall into that trap because I am confident here this Sunday morning that God is not looking for more performance. God is looking for some more worship. God is looking for some people that remember what it felt like that very first time they were drawn to an altar and touched by the presence of Jesus. Praise God. I'll say it one more time. When I walked into the church for the first time, it was not the music. <laughs> you know, I'll be honest, the music and the building maybe wasn't as impressive in the first church that I w went into up there in Brisbane. We are so incredibly blessed to call this place the house of God that we worship in. We ought to step through this place and feel that nice air conditioning and say, thank you, Jesus. As Brother Ben said, it's wonderful. We have all this beautiful, we've got baptistries and we've got multiple instruments. So we've got all these wonderful things and praise God for it. But I'll cast your mind back to 2008, the very 
first time I walked into a church, there was none of that. There was no bitumen in the car park. There was a, a, a barely a PA system. We were basically singing a cappella. But you know what I felt? I felt the presence of Jesus Christ. I still felt God's presence. And I'll tell you here today, you ought to be grateful for this. But if this was not here, we still serve a God that is able to change your life. He can move on your life. He can save your soul. He can turn your situation around. Praise God. And we cannot forget. We cannot forget the first love experience. Tap your neighbor and say, first love experience. Because when it's all said and done, and COVID was a test of this, when it's all said and done, there are many things that you can take away from what we call church. You can shut a building down. You can shut the front doors. You know, maybe there'll become a season where we aren't blessed with such beautiful aesthetics and such gifted and talented ministry. There are many things that you can take away from what we call church, but the one thing that you can never take away from a person is their first love experience, the time that God drew them for the very first time. And here's my question to you. If we lost all of this, would you walk away from God? If we lost all of this, would you still have a prayer life? If we lost all of this, would you still have a relationship with your Savior. Our ability to enter the presence of God is still the greatest weapon that we possess. The same presence that did transform our life. The same presence that did cause the tears to roll down our face. The same presence that took away the sorrow and replaced it with joy for the very first time. Way back when you first came to the house of God, it's available today. You can pick up the first love experience and you can take yourself back there and feel what you felt the very first time you stepped into a Pentecost church and felt the anointing and the Holy Ghost touching your life. Time does not have to diminish the first love experience. Time does not have to rob God of our best worship. Time does not have to dampen down my response to the Word of God. There is a saying that familiarity breeds contempt. Who's heard of that before? Familiarity breeds contempt. And what that's basically saying is that familiarity, the more I know something, the more I take it for granted. And this can easily take place in our walk with God when you are just saved. And I'll tell you why. Because when you are just saved and you walk into the presence of God, the contrast between what you've come out of and what you feel is so strong. You can literally say two weeks ago, I had a bottle in my mouth and two weeks ago, I was in the nightclubs or two weeks ago, I was full of depression and anxiety, but now I feel 
the love of God. So the contrast is so strong that as the weeks and the months and the years go by, that contrast begins to diminish and all of a sudden, I'm blessed now, but I was blessed five years ago and I was blessed 10 years ago and we can lose that contrast. Church, saints of God, we cannot forget our testimony. We cannot forget from where we came from. We cannot forget the mess that God dug us out of. It doesn't matter how many years you've been living for Jesus. I refuse to forget the first love experience that God gave me. There is something precious about a new love in an old relationship. Something precious about new love, even in older marriages. Now, my wife's grandmother and grandfather, Lita and Lito, they're not here today and they're unwell. Please pray for them. But when I think of them, I think of a new love in an old relationship. Yeah, they got a couple of new hips and a couple of new knees, but they still waddle down the road together hand in hand like they're going on their very first date. Yeah, maybe they've had a couple of surgeries and maybe there's a few more wrinkles under their eyes, but I'll tell you something, the fervency of their love for each other has not diminished. And I'm here to tell you the same is true. It can be true in our relationship with God. The years that go by do not have to diminish the love that you have for Jesus. You ought to remember what he did for you. You ought to remember the ditch he dug you out of. You ought to remember the addiction that he saved you from. You ought to remember the salvation that he gave you and it doesn't matter whether it was yesterday five years ago or 50 years ago I must resonate with the first love experience praise God because it protects my salvation there is something protective in remembering the first love experience there is something protective there is something protective in that protects you, that you can still have a new love mentality in an old love experience. And for the Christian, that means the years should not diminish the passion that you have for Jesus Christ. The years should not diminish the hunger that you have for Jesus Christ. The years should not diminish the involvement that you have in the things of God. And the years should not diminish the relationship that you have with Him. Can you clap your hands to Jesus? The thing about relationships with man is the longer you know somebody, the more hypocrisy you pick up in them. The longer you know somebody, the more dysfunction you recognize in them. The longer you know somebody, the more imperfection you see in others. And the same is true of us. The longer people know us, the more they know our weaknesses, the more they know our mess. And so the longer we know people, oftentimes the more disappointed we can become in the reality of who they are or how they behave. But I'm here to tell you that relationship with Jesus ought to get sweeter as the years go by. Your relationship with God ought to be deeper as the years go by. Why? Because the more experiences I've had with God, the more evidence that I have for His goodness in my life, the more evidence I have 
for his miracle working ability. Every season he helps me get through. Every battle he helps me pass through. Every miracle that he gives me. Every addiction he delivers me from. It is more evidence of the goodness of God. That's why as the years go by, your relationship with him ought to be deeper. Don't you let the years to diminish the relationship that you have with God. Matter of fact, each year that passes by, I have more evidence of the goodness of God in my life. Doesn't it inspire you when we see our elders worshiping God as hard as anybody else? Doesn't it inspire you when we see our pillars in the house of God lifting up holy hands and praying as hard as they prayed 30 years ago? Inspires me. It inspires me. And if you were to ask some of our pillars, ask Sister Helen, ask Sister Gina, ask people in this church that have been here for many a year, and they will tell you that they have more faith in God today than they had 10 or 20 years ago. Why? Because every single time that God comes through for me, it adds to the bank of evidence that I truly serve a wonderful Savior, that I truly serve a good God, that He is a miracle worker. He can transform lives. He can turn my life upside down. That's why the longer that you live for Jesus, the closer we ought to get to him because I have more evidence of the goodness of God in my life. And just because the contrast is not there anymore, you know, it's undeniable when you're called out of the world and the mess that you are in, into his marvelous light, there is great contrast. I accept that. And you don't have to think back far to remember the mess that you were in. That's why sometimes you see people that are new to the house of God, they are on fire. Why? Do they know more Bible than the people that are sitting on the preacher? No, they probably know less Bible. But there is great contrast between where God has them on that day to where God had them just three months earlier. But it does not glorify God when the longer that we're in the house of God, the less I worship Him. It does not glorify God where as the years go by, the less commitment that I have. It does not glorify God where the years that go by, the less interested I am in the preached word as it's preached to me. That does not bring glory to God. That's why the scripture says this, in his presence, there is fullness of joy. You notice there is no time stamp on that scripture. That scripture is timeless, which means that you can be living for God for 30 years in his presence. There is still fullness of joy, which which means every single time you come through those doors, every single time you find a prayer closet, every single time you enter the presence of God, you can feel fullness of joy. And time should not diminish that experience. Praise God. Time should not diminish that experience. Praise God. You know, we see examples in Scripture of people who started off on the right track, who lost their way. Perhaps the greatest illustration of this, a man called King Saul. Left the first love. 
story can be found in 1 Samuel 16. A man who at one point had the anointing of God, you'll notice the word goodly is described, uh, it describes both King Saul in 1 Samuel 9 as well as David in 1 Samuel 16. The same word is used to describe them. Many of the characteristics that God saw in Saul, he also saw in David. They both knew what it was to love God. They both knew the importance of accessing the presence of God. But somewhere along the way, one of these men lost their first love, King Saul. Saul, you see, he had a great physical stature about him. Aesthetically, he had leadership written all over him. But beneath the apparent profile of a king was a crippling insecurity, which he compulsively attempted to satisfy in his own strength. King Saul was a man who attempted to fulfill the office given by God without the presence of God. And whenever God calls anybody to anything, he does it on one condition, that you will hold on to the presence of God. Let me tell you something. If God's given you a ministry, he's not given you that ministry to do in your own strength. He's given you that ministry to do in partnership with him, in partnership with the Holy Ghost, in partnership with the presence of God. That's why God replaced Saul with a man who never left the first love, whose love for his presence did not depend on positions of power. God chose a young boy that had a deep and unwavering love for the presence of God. Everything a young David did, he did it as unto God. He would protect sheep unto God. He would lead nations unto God. He would slay giants unto God. And as Samuel would go to the house of Jesse to find the future king, he would have the apparent profile of kings to stand before him. Names like Eliab and Abinadab and Shammah. And to each of those, God would say, that's not the one. That's not the one. Maybe they look like the one, but that's not the one. Until a young boy, David, stood before him. And God said, that is the one. I'll tell you why. The one thing that's more impressive or more important than how you look, how you sound, or how you behave is do you have a relationship with God? God. God is looking for a people that are connected to the presence of God, that know his voice, that are sensitive to the presence of God. And I want to speak a word of encouragement to somebody here right now. Maybe you don't look the part. Maybe you don't sound the part. Maybe you don't behave the part. But if you have a relationship with God, God can use you in powerful ways. If you have a prayer closet, if you know the name of Jesus, God, can use you powerfully. In a church, as Brother Gleason said during the week, that is so rich in talent, God's not necessarily looking for that today. He's not looking for heritage. He's not looking for prestige. He's looking for a heart today that says, maybe I don't have much, but what I do have is a relationship with the king. Maybe I do not have status as the world would define status, but I have status as heaven defines status. Let me tell you something. It is better that nobody knows your name, but heaven knows your name, than it is that everybody here knows your name, but heaven doesn't know your name. Would you believe? I pray to God that you would be a people that say, I don't care if they don't know me. Does heaven know me? Does God know me here today? 
I'm coming to a close if musicians could come. We are called into relationship with God. This is an area, as I said, and I'm only being transparent with you here. This is an area where the Lord has convicted me and has challenged me. We look at the Israelite lineage, we see King Saul standing head and shoulders above people. King Solomon, the wisest man to ever live. But David had a heart for God. And a heart for God, it will always win. A heart for God will always stand the test of time. There is nothing more common than talent that has walked in these doors had a light shone on them for a few years and that same talent walked straight out those doors. But I tell you what we never see. We never see people who are in love with Jesus Christ. We never see people that desire relationship with God. We never see people that have a real prayer life walking out there. I'd rather be talentless but full of the Holy Ghost than be full of talent and not know the name of Jesus because that's what stands the test of time. I believe every Christian believer in their life will receive a major test of faith. A major test of faith. What type of test? Is it a test of capability? No, it's not. Is it a test of ability or intelligence? No, it's not that either. But you will receive a test that will shake the foundation of your faith, a test that will reveal what truly lies beneath the layers of your religious exterior. Can I tell you that when you're faced with adversity, when the walls of life are collapsing around you, it is not your talent that will get you through. It is not your relationships that will get you through. It's not the name of your pastor that will get you through. The only thing that will get you through is do you know your Savior and do you have a relationship with God and do you remember what He first did for you, praise God. If He never blesses you one more time, has He done enough for you to hold on to the presence of Jesus? Has He done enough for you to be faithful to Him? I'm going to close with a testimony. Again, I'm referencing my first church back in Brisbane a few times. This general conference just gone, there was a man that had come who's very special, near and dear to my heart. I've probably talked to him once every five years, but he is near and dear to my heart. I saw him worshiping a conference and it brought back just wonderful memories. You may not know him, but his name is Brother Paul Catling. <laughs> I always preach about him. When I first came to the church in Brisbane and I was on fire for God because that contrast was so strong, I remember we used to go door knocking every second Sunday. He would take me, if you know Brisbane, you know this, he would take me to Woodridge and Kingston and Logan Lee and Bean Lee, all the wonderful parts of Brisbane where you need a bulletproof vest to feel safe, you know. We would knock on doors. Brother Paul would say, I wanna talk to you about my Jesus. Bang, door slammed in his face. People swearing and cussing at him. And I went every second Sunday with him did that for 
for, for months and months. And I remember even, I even missed a grand final, one of the Melbourne Storm versus Manly Sea Eagles grand finals. I missed that because I was door knocking with brother Paul Catling. In fact, I was trying to watch the grand final over somebody's shoulder that was telling us to get out of their property. <laughs> After a few months, the pastor of the church, he invited me to be on the youth committee. I felt good about that. Invited me, I was invited onto the music team. I was playing guitar, the acoustic guitar, most Sundays. It was one Sunday afternoon, I just didn't feel up to going outreaching with Brother Paul. I didn't meet him at the meetup point. He calls me, he says, oh, Brother Greg, are you running late? I say, Brother Paul, I'm not gonna come out today. You know, I was a youth committee member, Brother Ben. I was playing guitar by then. I was an important person. I don't need to door knock anymore. I was important. I had status in the church. You know what Brother Paul said to me? He said the words. He said, Brother Greg, do not lose your first love. Can I tell you here right now, that it, is, it does glorify God that you have been here for years. Praise God for your faithfulness. Praise God that your body is in the house of God. But do you love Jesus right now like you loved Him the first time He drew you to an altar? Do you feel the presence of God the same today as you felt the presence of God when you came out the waters of baptism? Do you worship Him with the same passion, the same desire, the same intensity that you did the first time you felt the presence of God on your life? I preach to myself before I preach to any person here today that we must remember the first love. God would ask you here today, do you remember the days when you used to be excited just to wake up and pray? Do you remember the days when you couldn't wait for Sunday to roll around? Do you remember the days when you didn't have to be dragged to the altar, where Pastor Stan didn't have to beg you to come, but you beat the preacher to the altar because you were so hungry to receive from God. You didn't have to wait for the preacher to say, please, come, please come. I want a blessing, so I'm going to get myself to the altar. Do you remember those days? Do you remember those days? Because if they are just a memory and no longer reality, it is not because God has distanced Himself from you. It's because we have allowed ourselves to be distanced from the presence of Jesus, praise God. If you don't believe me, let me give you some Bible. Romans 8.35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sore? Two verses later, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate me from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord that's what the Bible says that's what the word says stand with me right now 
And I'm sorry if this is a simple message. This is not deep theology, but I don't care because I have never seen someone in love with Jesus Christ walk out of the house of God. I have seen many people that know plenty of Bible to walk out. I've seen many people that know how to preach great sermons and sing great songs, but I have never seen someone that has a relationship with God walk out of the house of God. So would you lift your hands with me right now as I pray a prayer? And then I have an invitation for any person that wants to connect themselves with the first love to step down to this altar. And this invitation does not have to wait until I say in Jesus' name, amen. This invitation begins right now. If you want a touch from God, you can find a place at this altar. Father, right now I pray over every apostolic person in this house. I pray, Lord God, that though they are here and we are grateful that they are here, I pray that they would remember the first love just as Jesus corrected the church of Ephesus, people that were busy in the house of God, doing things in the house of God. He said, nevertheless, you have left the first love. Let it not be said of us today, God, that we are busy, but we don't love you like we first loved you. And so I pray right now that that your church would respond in demonstration that they love you today this first Sunday of 2024 as much as they did when you first called them to an altar as much as they did when they first came out of the waters of baptism oh God I pray your presence would move powerfully in this place that you would remind them of your love for them that you have called them and equipped them and placed them and that you love them with an everlasting love I want to encourage you right now to reach out to God, spend some time with Him. Reconnect yourself with the first love as our musicians and singers begin. This is a time for us to spend with Him, to remind Him that though the years have gone by, I have not forgotten my first love. Thank you, Jesus. Let us truly reach out to Him with passion right now. Yeah.